I am very excited to say that this podcast was brought to you with support from the Arts Council England's National Lottery Projects Grants. Hello, I'm Gabrielle Scorthorn and this is Back From Reality. When I was 17 years old, my dad smuggled me out of a school excursion so that I could line up for hours at my local Westfield to audition for the reality television show Fresh Meat where I would be competing to be a presenter on Channel V, which sounds pretty legit. But when you're plucked from suburban obscurity and thrust into the public eye in a world of sex, drugs and rock and roll, and you're not even legal, shit goes down. What happened over the next few months shaped the rest of my life in ways that I'm still discovering today. In this series of podcasts, I will be speaking with a different guest each week from the world of reality television. These chats will cover the highs and lows of the reality TV experience, how their lives have changed as a result, and what it's like to come back from reality. My guest today is Bella Frizzer, who was poached for season three of Married at First Sight off of a Queensland beach, where all reputable castings take place. Today's episode is part one of our Married at First Sight two-parter. In a couple of weeks, we will play you part two with Michelle Caron, who will paint a very different picture of the maths experience. But in part one, we talk to Bella, who highlights just how much maths has evolved over the past few seasons into the machine that it is today. Talking to some industry insiders throughout this season, I feel like maths is regarded as not for the faint-hearted. Many of its more recent contestants have come out to say that they are forever changed from the traumatic experience. But back in season three, Bella only had to film for three weeks and was still able to work her radio job throughout, providing her some avenue of escape. You can hear the origins of some attempts at crafty producing, but overall, Bella was able to hold her own and she's able to now look back on it as just that time that she married a stranger with three days notice. I just want to go through the premise of the show. Yeah. For those who don't know. So married at first sight, you've got four couples who are scientifically matched. They meet for the first time on their wedding day. As you do, you get married. You have a wedding reception, a honeymoon. You move in together. You film for what, about a month of living together? Yeah, we filmed for, yeah, three and a half weeks-ish. Yeah. And that's all on camera. Now, had you watched previous seasons? I had, and I always watched them. And I was like, oh, I'd never do this. They'd no, there's no way I'd do this. And it just kind of, the opportunity came up. I didn't actually apply for it. You were poached. Kind of, yeah. How did that happen? Well, a friend of mine was down at one of the beaches here just like enjoying his Sunday and a producer approached him and said, hey, we're looking for people um, do you know anyone that would be interested? And he was like, oh, well, actually a friend of mine, Bella, she actually works in radio. She is single and very ready to mingle. So, um, yeah, she's like kissy girl type of thing. I'm so glad that your friends know that. It's <laughs> like, oh, yeah, no, I've got a friend for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, no, he was, my friend Maddie, he was very chuffed with himself. He was like, yeah, I know, I know the girl. And they're like, okay. So, yeah, I chatted to them. Um, and yeah, we kind of like, I did went through the whole interview process and then they would just call me one day and they were like, they called me on a Friday and they said, um, oh, we found you a match. You'll be getting married on Wednesday. And I was like, oh, great. So that's three, three days to prep. Wow. And you've been in media since you're about 18. So it's not your first rodeo. What were you hoping to get out of the Married at First Sight experience? I was hoping to find a husband, Gab. That's what I was trying to do. (laughs) 
With three days prep. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look, to be honest, like I, I just turned 30 and I had tried several things on the Gold Coast to find a man, Tinder, you know, dating, meeting people through friends. It just like wasn't happening for me. Um, so I thought, you know, why, why not give this a go? Like the worst thing that can happen is that I make a friend and maybe, you know, get some sort of, um, you know, like working in media, obviously it wouldn't be a bad thing, you know, and then the best thing that could happen would be that I fall in love. So that's how I went into it thinking like that. And cause it wasn't as big of a deal back then as it was, it is now. Oh, you, you think earlier on in the seasons, it wasn't as life changing or, or it wasn't as big as it is now. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Cause I mean, they, it goes for like three months now. They have to, people have to quit their jobs and it's very hands-on. Whereas with us, they were just like, we just want everyday people. Like I was still working my full-time job in radio um, and then like going home and filming till midnight, some nights 4am. It was very, very intense. Um, so as you can imagine, trying to get to know someone in those circumstances is very difficult as well. And the show as well, it really does project a very exact science when it comes to the matches. You've got three experts, communications expert, a psychologist, uh, a scientist who keeps on referring to herself as a chemist. So there's a lot. You know, I always found that a bit odd though because when the three of them get together to discuss their scientific findings, they do come off a bit like three yenters having a natter, you know? Yeah. Um, what was that scientific matching process like for you? See, this is the interesting part with my thing because I, I've heard them get on TV and say, you know, oh, we match them through... The, the sniffing thing, you know how like with the um the pheromones, that one, I never did that. I never got sent a T-shirt and it kind of felt like, I don't know, I, I feel like may, maybe they wanted me on the season. Maybe they, I think they wanted people from the Gold Coast. So I don't know if it was just that they wanted someone from the Gold Coast so they just kind of pushed us together and kind of made it happen. But there was a couple of things like that I, I, I – here on the show and even when I watched it back I was like I don't really think that happened like I sat down and had a one-on-one they flew me to Sydney for like a day and I had a one-on-one with John and we just spoke about you know what I've been through in my life and that kind of thing but when it comes to the rest of like I didn't meet Mel or Trish prior to the actual show going to air so yeah, that was definitely interesting for me. So given that you got to meet with the communications expert, is that right? Yeah, he's a psychologist. Yeah. A psychologist. And so when someone is talking about themselves, there, there is a bit of bias and there are a lot of variables uh, involved in that. So did you have a lot of trust in the scientific process? I just had trust in people who weren't me, to be honest, because obviously I was picking the wrong man. <laughs> so I just thought, you know, well, like I said, what's the worst? thing that can happen like you know maybe these people will be better at finding me a man than what I am because obviously I'm looking in the wrong places and I'm looking at the wrong people so <laughs> so leave it in the hands of the the one expert yeah you had three days to prepare for your wedding did you have much hand in the wedding planning at all no no it was all them and even oh do you know what I was so upset about I am gluten intolerant and I said to them I was just like look whatever is going to happen is going to happen obviously I'll be happy, but um, could you just make sure there's a gluten-free cake so I can eat the wedding cake? Do you think there was? So you didn't even get a bite of your own cake? I couldn't eat it, no. Oh, guys, come on. How are you going to get that cute photo with them feeding you the cake? You know, yeah. you'd be engaged in the loo for the rest of the night if you had a bite of that guy. <laughs> so I think it was probably about 
like 2.5 seconds after I announced my engagement, I got texts about what my shredding for the wedding plan would be. Did you have a shred for the wedding plan in your three days? Or I mean, I would have loved to, but I I didn't. No, I literally, they were just like, yep, cool. Um, we basically had the call and they're like, yeah, you're getting married on Wednesday. And then um, I... The next day they were like, literally it was, it was a Saturday and the producers rocked, knocked on my door at like 9am. So, you know, and that's when they started filming my backstory and it was constant filming literally up until the wedding day because then like Monday, Tuesday I had to have time off work um, and go pick up my wedding dress and all that kind of thing. But, yeah, and I remember at one stage I was going to cry and have a little tanty because they told me I couldn't have the wedding dress that I wanted. And I remember my friend Maddie, he was like, we're going to have an issue if she can't have this wedding dress because like she's losing her mind. So yeah, it was oh so interesting. Did you get the dress in the end? I got it in the end. I got oh. it. But because apparently a girl in the same season had the same kind of looking dress. So they didn't want two of us in the same season to have the same looking dress. The TV show comes into play there. Yes. I guess. <laughs> I, I got to watch some of the season and you had rated yourself a 10 out of 10 kisser now I reckon I'm pretty up there like I'm pretty proud of myself with my kissing accomplishments but I don't know if I would ever put that on public record because of the pressure that ensues did you do any practicing (laughs) I I had met my fair share of men um but I I I think I just I just back myself I just I'm just I'm a confident person so I still I still back myself and I'm pretty sure my boyfriend now would agree with me so so you've got a recommendation of yep no seal of approval absolutely (laughs) it's just more the angle of it isn't it have you ever seen yourself kissing on tv oh it's so weird it's so weird to watch back it's like oh god it's just it's just cringy but I still think I'm 10 out of 10. I love that. So you get married, you do the ceremony, you then go to the wedding reception, you've got the bride and groom's friends and family meeting for the first time. And I mean, really, the bride and groom meeting for the first time. Were your friends and family there? Yes. My mum, sister and brother said they didn't want anything to do with it. Right. Yeah. So they were not there. Um, And I kind of begged my dad I was just like please like I need you there and um he was kind of pretty against it to begin with as well but um in the end he ended up I think he I think they um like the producers knew and I think they well I think they almost I can't remember if they surprised me or not with him coming but they did convince him um and he came up himself but he didn't really do many interviews he didn't walk me down the aisle which I'm glad of because when I actually do get married I want to have all of that for the first time, you know. And that was the other thing I went in thinking as well. I was like, you know, if this doesn't work out and, like, I I do want to get really, truly married one day, I want that to be so special still and still my first wedding. Yeah, and, and you can safeguard yourself and not rob yourself of that experience if you put a few boundaries in play. Correct. What was the main reasoning behind your family not wanting a part of it? I guess underselling myself in regards to, like the show had only had two seasons prior to my one, um, so it didn't really have a lot of establishment as a show and um, I think just reality TV in general, my family kind of isn't a huge fan of. So, um, yeah, when I told my mom, she was just, and I was really excited about it, obviously. Um, she was just dead set against it and was like, you know, this is like, and especially um, my family, my mom obviously has been married before to my dad and it's something that, you know, marriage is sacred to to her 
and our family. So, yeah, they just didn't really understand why I needed to do it. And, like, you know, I'm already in the job I want to be in. I, I don't need it for that. Um, but, yeah, I in the end they ended up su- supporting me in the best way they could whilst not being there. But Dad was there in the end. Did you have some nice moments with Dad at the wedding reception? Yeah, I did. He was kind of sitting, he was sitting right at the front as well. Um, when we got married and he was there and it was just like really nice just to, to have him there and he, and everyone loved him. He was a hit with all my friends and the guy that I married's friends as well. So yeah, it was, it was really nice to have him there in the end and really special that he was the only family member of mine that was there. Because even if it's not the end of the day wedding, it is a huge life experience for you. So obviously, you know, wonderful to have him there. And then what's the first time that you were alone with your groom? What, what is that like once the cameras kind of go? Tell me a bit about that. Oh, God, we're going back now. But uh, <laughs> it was when they left us in the hotel room um, after the wedding day. So, yeah, we, we filmed till 4am. And I remember literally saying to the producer, I said, I, I'm sorry, I cannot I cannot talk anymore. Like it was just like constantly being interviewed and I'm pretty sure it was 3 or 4 a.m. when they left and um, then they were like, oh, we'll be back at 6 a.m. to like take you on your honeymoon. So it was li- we literally had two hours sleep and just like, you know, may- maybe an hour of just, you know, like getting to know each other once the cameras had walked out the door. It was just so, so exhausting so exhausting. Did it feel okay? I mean, I can remember, you know, at school dances when like friends would be like, oh, you two kiss, you know, like this awkward kind of putting together. Did you have much to chat about? Were you nervous or scared? Yeah, I think we were really lucky. We kind of instantly had a connection and, you know, we kind of got on really well instantly. So yeah, we were were fine. And it was just... you know, because it's such a big day, it didn't feel like we'd just known each other for the day. Like it almost felt like we'd known each other for a week. Do you know what I mean? Because it was just, it's just so on. You're constantly being interviewed by producers and like even, you know, like like I'd have like a moment with my friend Maddie and they'd be like, okay, come over here and we'll do that moment over here. Can you guys stop talking? We're going to do it over here. And it's very intense. I hardly remember enjoying the wedding because it was just constant constant not not really being present a lot of the time because you're constantly having to be pulled out of the situation to be interviewed and so the experience itself is almost your instant connection because you can kind of bond through the fire that is going on around you so you at least had that and then 6 a.m you're off on the honeymoon. Where'd you go? Port Douglas. Best to keep these things domestic once you've just met yeah (laughs) international (laughs) travel yet yeah and then you move in together. Yeah. What was that like? Oh, yeah, it was crazy. Like, because we'd known each other for three, I think the honeymoon went for three days or something. So it wasn't even a week of knowing each other and we're basically moving in. But I was kind of, I remember at the time being really grateful that I could still work because that would be kind of be my escape. Um, every day I'd like get up and I'd be like, okay, I gotta go. I remember, I think I was coming to work at like 6.30, 7am when I wasn't really meant to be here till like 8, 8.30 because I was just so, I just couldn't deal with being interviewed all the time. It wasn't really about him. It was more about like, I just couldn't stand having to be on 24 seven. And you were saying that you were leaving at six or seven in the morning. Are the cameras there the whole time? Yeah. So they like, I remember my complete exercise routine went out the window. I'd be like, oh, can I, I'm just going to go for a run at 6am. And they'd be like, we'll come with you. We'll be here at 530. And I'd be like, oh, 
can I just go for a run on my own? Can I just please have like half an hour to just have time to myself? And they'd be like, no, no, no. We'll be there. We'll be there. And I was just like, oh, God. So, yeah, it was crazy. Some of my previous guests have spoken about this very clear moment in their mind where because they are desensitised to the cameras, you let your guard down and you kind of forget that they're there. Did you ever get to that point on Married at First Sight? I don't think so, no. And because I have a media mind as well, so I was constantly thinking, oh, what are they trying to do here? Oh, what are they trying to do? There was one night where a producer was really coming at me. I was home by myself and Michael was moving down, I think, and um, I had cooked dinner for him and the producer was trying to like rile me up and he's like, oh, you know, because he called me but he was like, oh, sorry, I'm not going to be home till like 9, 9.30. And I was like, oh, all good. Like dinner's kind of ready but I'll just like put it away. And the producer was like, oh, aren't you pissed off? Like, you know, your first dinner that you've made him and he's not here. And I was like, yeah, but he's stuck in traffic coming from Brisbane. Like it's all good. Like I'm not – and he was trying to like make – make a drama out of it and I was like I really don't have an issue like I was single yesterday mate like you know um and then I think I remember I was I had to call my dad to speak to him about something and he was like put him on loudspeaker and I was like no you just need to be on loudspeaker and then he's like oh tell him about how annoyed you are at Michael because he hasn't arrived for dinner and I was like well I'm not so I don't know I'm going to speak about that like just things like that I was like this isn't not this isn't a normal discussion I'd have unless you were making me have it so and the show has come under fire from previous contestants saying that there are manipulated storylines um withholding bathroom breaks plying you with alcohol and and you had just said you know they film for these really kind of long periods of time did you feel manipulated at points and and did you experience what other contestants have kind of come forward about I get really annoyed when people say that they you know look I just feel like at the end of the day, we we all know we're going on a reality TV show. They're making a TV show. Like think about being in a queue of traffic, how, how annoying it is to wait two minutes for a traffic light to turn red, you know, and sometimes you're waiting maybe an hour to have an interview or, you know, yeah, cool, mate, they might be giving you a little bit of alcohol here and there. But I have always said, and I will stick to my guns forever, that I said what I said um, those words came out of my mouth. So everything I said came out of my mouth. Um, and whether the circumstance made me a little bit more bitchy in the moment or a little bit more honest in the moment, then that's just what happened, you know. And um, the, I think the people that sit there and say, oh, you know, the producers made me do this. Mate, at the end of the day, you're the one that said the words. They didn't put those words into your mouth. And, you know, people who are smart know that when you say something – and it's being filmed, it might come back to bite you in the ass. That's just the human way, really. It's like anything in real life. Do you regret saying anything? No, definitely not. I think um, I, and I know when I had a little bit of alcohol in me, I was a little bit more cocky and I was a little bit more like. Oh, that doesn't sound usual. (laughs) Exactly, right? How bizarre. (laughs) Exactly. So look, I just, at the end of the day, yeah, cool. And they have things in mind that they want to do, but like, 
you're on a TV show. If you don't want to be manipulated in some sort of way, not manipulated, that's the wrong word, but, you know, if you don't want to help a storyline along, then you're doing the wrong thing. You shouldn't be going on reality TV. And, you know, you've said you have a media mind, you've got all of this experience with a media background as well. Do you think that that helped you with your experience so that you can have this kind of understanding of what they're doing to you as well? I thought that it did, but when it came down to it, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I don't know what if they've got a storyboard there or whatever but I think it's like I appreciate it you know like I think it's a very interesting part of media that I, I unless you're you are one of those producers you probably never understand you know I feel like we'll never really understand what goes on but you know they're making really good tv shows that we're all enjoying so I think hats off to them really like I I have a lot of respect for producers because the hours are long and tedious and um they you know, have to get reactions out of people. That's their job. So in answer to your question, yes, yes and no. (laughs) And do you think, yes, it's a producer's job to get a storyline, to actually kind of produce this character. Did you feel that you were put first in that process? Do you think they always had your best interest at heart? No, I think they have the TV show's best interest at heart, 100%. I suppose that's what it comes down to as well when you sign your life away. Like I know I signed a lot of forms before I went on that TV show and – Yeah, I think going on, I definitely was, you can't help but get scared as to the way you're going to be portrayed. But I think they portrayed me quite well. It was more just like an on steroids version of me. And that's how they described it would be anyway. They were like, you know, the, the audience only has a little bit of time to get to know you. So it will be like a caricature of you yourself that you'll see on TV. It won't be per se you. Um, but like little bits of you will shine through. Well, yeah, and I mean no one's interested in watching you buying a cucumber from Coles. You know, like that's not TV. So you said that you were aware that it was a television show. You were aware that there are forces at play that aren't entirely natural. So do you feel that you could have an authentic relationship with Michael was your your groom? Did you forge an authentic relationship? Um, I had my doubts. And look, I, I have the utmost respect for him, but um, the person that I was seeing on camera compared to the person I was seeing off camera was a little bit different. And I thought maybe, you know, someone who's, anyone who's not coming from a media background, anyone who isn't used to talking in front of a camera already or talking about themselves in general may think that they have to show the world a certain side of them or I don't know or just think that they have to be a certain way it would be hard to be yourself if like it took me years to sit in front of a microphone and sound normal you know that's takes years of practice so I can't imagine what it's like for someone who's never done any media training and then gets thrown in front of a reality tv camera so I think in my mind It was something, but I don't think it was really ever going to be anything on the outside. Because at the conclusion of the show, you guys kind of said, yeah, we'll we'll give it a go. And then the cameras stop. And what was that like? Um, Well, we lasted two, three days after filming. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then we didn't last anymore. So, yeah, I think it's just like I know that at the time and I realised this, I wasn't actually ready for a relationship, let alone a marriage. Um, I was really enjoying being single, doing my thing, going out with my girlfriends, not, you know, having to answer to anybody. Um, And I probably didn't realise that I had a lot more 
living in myself I needed to do before I got to that point. And I think that, yeah, Michael was pretty much ready to settle down like then and there. Like he wanted to get married. He wanted a wife. So I think our end results were completely different to start with. And yeah, we were just really different people. Like the way we lived our life was very different. When we're in this bubble together for three and a half weeks, it probably worked a bit better. But then when we went our separate ways on the outside, it just didn't really work. And so once the cameras stop as well, do you have to go into some form of hiding? There's, you know, do you have to kind of keep a low profile? Yeah, well, I'm lucky where, where I live on the Gold Coast, there's not really paparazzi or anything, but we were told that if we did end up meeting someone else, we weren't allowed to like be seen out with them or be seen holding hands or kissing or whatever because that would ruin the end of the show before it had aired. And we filmed in February and it was put on hold for like months and months. And then it wasn't until, it didn't air till August. So that was, it was a lot of downtime. Because what we chat about a lot on this show is coming back from the reality show and, you know, coming from a television show back into your normal life. But you had this really long period where you couldn't really go back to your normal life. Did you find that frustrating? Yeah, it was so annoying. Like I was, oh, it was horrible as as well because I met someone shortly after the show, a couple of months later. So it was like the relationship basically had to be put on hold. And yeah, I remember him being really like, it was really frustrating for him as well because he just didn't really understand the whole thing. And going straight into another relationship, did the residue of what had just happened affect that next relationship? Looking back, I'd say, yeah, like I'm not with him anymore, but I think that I was probably looking for something. It was like I'd come out of the marriage and then I was like looking for something. It was like, oh, I'm ready for something, but I actually once again wasn't. And I was probably looking in the wrong places at the wrong time. And, you know, that usually leads to the wrong person. So then you start watching the show. How did that feel to see yourself for the first time on on television as yourself? What was that experience like? <laughs> so weird. It's just like I can't even put it into words. Like just I remember screaming at the TV and just like I was there with all my friends. We'd have like these viewing nights together. Yeah, it was just bizarre. I think the first two weeks it was on I lost about 10 kilos just from anxiety because it was like I just had the worst anxiety about it and um, just I was like, oh, my God, I, I really need to lose some weight. And, yeah, just all of, all of these things come up um, and as well just like how's the world going to going to take you? How's Australia going to react to me as a person on TV? And you have spoken about having an eating disorder in the past and, you know, now that you're chatting to me now, you're saying that you did lose weight once you saw yourself. Did you find the show triggering in that respect? A little bit. I think it just kind of brought up those feelings of I'm not good enough. I'm, you know, just I need to probably start maybe what not watching what I eat but probably a bit more controlling what I eat, which is like kind of what happened when I had that eating disorder. So I think as well like what I went through whilst when the show did go to air, it, it's all definitely triggering. Like just, yeah, making you feel, just made, made me feel not good about myself. Because I myself have gone through an eating disorder as well and there is a huge element of control with it. It's like when you feel a little bit out of control, you can have control over this one thing really well. You can lock that down. Did you feel like you lost a bit of control with your life once it was aired? Oh. Yeah, it was horrible. Like especially there was one episode that went to air, the dinner party, 
Um, and as soon as it went to air, I thought I was going to be supported by Australia and what happened, but I was completely, it went the other way. And, um, I remember like my, my, it was like, as soon as the episode went to air, my social media just started going nuts. I started having all like, like, you know, when you get like an, a notification, like it was just notification after it was just constantly popping up Facebook, Instagram, even my Gmail email was getting things like it was just insane um and just people having a go at me calling me a slut calling me just horrible horrible things telling me to die that I don't deserve love ever and stuff like that really gets into your soul like it cuts into you and the next day I remember I had an interview on the Today Show and then after that I had to come back to the studio and be on air and I just was a mess I couldn't I didn't even want to be on air I remember telling my boss I'm not going on air today I can't and he was like well are you gonna let the trolls win or are you just gonna say fuck you guys and just get on air and do what you love and just you know do it and um I was just like yeah I think I came to like the realization I was like yeah no I'm not gonna let them win and then went on today and did today as well but yeah it was just nothing can prepare you for that kind of backlash. And did you address the backlash? And did you have a meeting about how am I going to talk about this? How did you handle it? Yeah, the producers knew what was going on. Um, I spoke to a couple of them. I think I spoke to the exec producer about it at the time, but she was just like, you know, don't worry, in a couple of days I'll have something else to go have a go at someone else about. It's just kind of how it works. But, yeah, I was... I, I pushed through, um, but, yeah, it was just horrible. And when you spoke to the producers, I mean, because what it sounds like with what you just said is there wasn't a huge amount of support there. Did you feel like you were supported throughout that period of backlash? They offered me the psychologist for the show. I spoke to him a couple of times, but there's only so much he could do. He was in Sydney. I was on the Gold Coast. And, yeah, like, I mean, they just kind of were like, I remember when, when, the show before we it went to air, we had our last photo shoot and they said, they pulled me aside and said, you know, whatever you do, don't read the comments. Just don't read the comments. Stay away from the comments. Um, you'll be fine. And that was kind of it. But, yeah, there was nothing, nothing really. I can't really remember. Like I, I think they offered, yeah, once again, the psychologist. But I had my own, my own psychologist anyway. So I went and saw her and my friend's just took my phone for like the whole day and de tried to delete all of the comments and messages and put my phone on private on everything so people couldn't really get in. But even to this day, if I get like a message from a random person, I get like an anxiety like pang in my, in my heart because I'm just scared that it's going to be something bad. It's horrible. Well, thank you so much for responding to our random message. We really appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> of course. But I found with the with the trolls, you know, I was 17 when I went on my reality show. So they, they hired a moderator to kind of make sure that there was no weird stuff. But you could get comments kind of going along the bottom of the screen while we were live on air. Uh, people would like text in their comments. And the thing that I found with trolls is that they're faceless. So I started to not really trust public situations because I was like, are you that guy? 
Or are you that guy? Did you experience any of that kind of paranoia? No. And it's interesting you say that because the response I get from people in public and to this day is just lovely. Like I've never had anyone come up to me in public and tell me that I'm this or that or being rude in every way. Anyway, I've only had lovely people come up to me. And so I, it's interesting, isn't it? Because yeah, it does. They are keyboard warriors and it only happens online. But it, I mean, it's it's driven a lot of people to take their own lives. And I understand fully how that has happened because if it's something you know I only had it for maybe like a week and if it was something that I had to experience every day I don't know how I would cope and how did you get yourself out of it I just I had a lot of really good friends around me and yeah like I said my I was seeing a psychologist kind of every week and just really got back into like you know focusing on work and yeah just focusing on me and when you were watching the show back did you learn anything about yourself or what you want from a relationship yeah definitely I think one of it sounds so cliche you can't not learn something though from experience like that and I did learn that I was quite selfish in relationships and just in general at the time so I try not to be now but yeah, I definitely learned that. And like I said to you earlier, I at the time was definitely not ready for a relationship, not at all. But now I definitely am. And learning the timing of if you're ready or not is just as important in order to move forward. Ultimately, do you think that you got what you wanted out of the married at first sight experience? Yes and no. Um, I feel like the... Because, yeah, what what it is now is it's a full production now. And, you know, I suppose even because I got a little bit of a following out of it on social media and the followings that they get these days now, like, you know, we're talking like 80, 100,000 people, you know, type of thing. So I feel like I kind of missed out in that way because I could have utilised that more in my job and in other ways to do other things that I want to do in life. That's the selfish side of me. But yeah, the other side of me is like I did learn a lot about myself in an experience that I wouldn't have had unless I went on the show. So, yeah, I'm grateful for for that side of it. Would you do reality television again? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I would. What would you do differently? Would you do anything differently this time? I mean, I I would hope I wouldn't have to go on a dating one again because I'm pretty, like, smitten with my boyfriend now. So um, I hope that he's the one, if you're listening, babe. Um, (laughs) We've got a love song to dedicate to you afterwards. Uh, But I I think just probably I think I overthought it quite a bit. So there was probably times where I, I 100% wasn't myself because you know even the times where I wouldn't put my dad on loudspeaker or I wouldn't get angry in front of the camera because I thought they're making me do this um so I probably held back in little ways like that where next time I think I would just be completely 100% myself and whatever I was feeling I would just say it or do it but you know in radio I'm just I learned that I've learned that it doesn't matter if I'm having a bad day I just have to push through and still be you know, upbeat and happy. So I think that's what I mostly did with the show as well. Well, I'm so glad that you're on the other side. I fist pumped when you were telling me about your current relationship. So I'm so glad that you're at this place now. And thank you so much for chatting to us today. That's all right. Thank you so much for having me. And that concludes my interview with the utter delight that is Bella Frizzer. Isn't she just a cube of ice down the pant on a summer's day? If you take one thing from this interview, it should be this. If you wake up on your 30th birthday and you feel like something needs to change, may I recommend going and marrying a stranger? 
This podcast was produced by Hugo Chiarella for Unlikely Productions. The dulcet melody that you are listening to right now was crafted by Robert Tripolino. If you reckon this podcast is a bit of all right, please tell your mates, post about the podcast and leave us a review on iTunes to help other people find the show. Come on, get a girl out there. You can also follow me at gjoska on Instagram. Yeah, I know, that's G-J-O-S-C-A. Not my best, not my worst. You could also follow me at ScorthorneGab on Twitter. It's my name, but backwards. Hey, we should do this again sometime.